All right. Hello, my name is Morgan, and welcome to Crime and Grime, a podcast that goes over two crime stories from all over the world. Um, today, this is going to be the first podcast. Um, have been wanting to do this for like ever, uh, because true crime just it's it's one of those things that just like it excites me. And, you know, watching so many other people talk about it daily and seeing so many cases and how, you know, often some of these cases come up every day. It just kind of interests me and wanted to start this so that I could also help people that maybe like true crime as well. I don't know. So if that sounds really awkward, but just trying to like relieve your itch for true crime. You know, why not, you know, if you enjoy it, why not go ahead and just jump out there and do it? Um, so, uh, yeah, this podcast is called Crime and Grime. Um, the plan for the podcast is to have something out for you every Thursday around 4 p.m. Eastern time. Um, a new podcast, something to tickle your fancy with and something for you to enjoy and listen to, whether you're in your car or if you're at home or, you know, you're doing laundry, et cetera, et cetera, something for you to listen to and have in the back of your noggin while you're doing stuff. But, um, you know, I'm going to stop talking, I promise. But before then, I just want to see you and say thank you so much for being here with me. You could have been anywhere else in the world, but you chose to be here with me, and I genuinely do appreciate it. Okay, so after 80 years of me talking, um, we're going to talk today about the murder of Lauren Giddings. Alrighty, so today, like I said earlier, um, we are going to go over the murder of Lauren Giddings. Now, you may or may not have heard about this case, um... It's definitely gotten a good bit of media attention. Um, definitely seen some YouTubers cover it. But, you know, it's also, you know, not as big as maybe, you know, the Jeffrey Dahmer or, you know, Richard Ramirez. Um, just kind of one of those small town murders that shocked everyone in the small town. Um, now, <clears throat> excuse me. This case happened in Macon, Georgia. Um, That's actually where I'm from, and I currently reside. So, you know, fun, of course. Um, uh, The case occurred in June of 2011. So it's been a minute, um, been over, you know, 10 plus years, sadly. Um, uh, This, what, this June? Yeah, this June. Um, but um, to give you a little background um, about, you know, some of the people, um, I'm first going to go over Lauren Giddings, of course. Um, Lauren Teresa Giddings was born on April 18th in 1984 in Tacoma Park, Maryland, to William and Karen Giddings. Now, I was able to gather some information from interviews and articles, and one of them actually was more recent. I think it was done, what, of February this year. Um, It was an article talking about, you know, the memories 
that her two sisters, Sarah and Caitlin, have of her. Um, they were talking about how they can't, you know, believe it's been so long. And they definitely try and keep her memory alive, especially with their kids, because um, between the both of them, I think it's, they had about six to seven kids. Um, and they love telling them and reminding them about their Aunt Lauren, who would have actually been 37 this year. So bless their heart. I, I feel so, so bad. But I do appreciate them, you know, taking the time to, you know, still tell their children about their aunt, all the amazing things. Um, but yeah, from what I gathered, um, it seems that, you know, they always spoke very highly of her, you know, they talked about how bubbly she was and, you know, how hardworking she was and how much of a go-getter she was. And, and she definitely, definitely was. I mean, she originally came from Maryland, um, but she came all the way down to Macon, Georgia to fulfill her dream of going to law school, and she actually went to Mercer Law um, and resided in Macon, Georgia, and, you know, she worked extremely, extremely hard to graduate, and amazingly, she did. She was able to graduate, um, and after graduation, she, you know, went straight into studying for her bar test. Now, the bar test is what, you know, what pre-law students take in order to, you know, get their certification and everything for law. Um, I know that I've heard that it's extremely hard, but, you know, with Lauren, she was such a hardworking and dedicated individual and human being. They said she was, she was, she, sis was on it. Sis was on it. You know, she would tell her family and friends, you know, hey, you know, sorry if I don't get back to you. Um, I'm studying uh, I'm I'm going for this. We're we're passing. About to say there's no such thing as a bomb on a test. That must be a sort of some sort of sauce or something. That that's just how how dedicated and genuinely into this degree in this field that she was. It, it was amazing just to read how they would just highly talk of her education and, and, and how much she, she just wanted to succeed in life. And it's sad. Cause it's like, you know, she, she was like you and me, you know, right now we could be like sitting in bed eating popcorn or something, you know, she, she could have been doing the same thing as well, but sadly her life was taken away from her. And, and you know, it's absolutely tragic, but, you know, always love to remember that, you know, during these, well, not love, but you know, I love, I just say it again, I enjoy, you know, having to go back and be like, you know, this is a story, but it's not a tale. This is like a real situation. She was a real person with real goals and ambitions and wanted to have a future and, you know, a life just like, you know, you and me. So it's hard thinking about that, thinking of how someone that just was so sweet and nice, you know, one egg will spoil the whole bunch. It's, you know, it said she was so nice and she was lovely to everyone. And then that one person she was nice to 
literally went and just had to go and ruin it for everyone else. So glad he is where he is, but is you know okay. Um, but um, yeah, lovely person, great person. Um, loved what she was doing, and was definitely putting in the work for it. Like she was gonna get that degree one way or another, sis. And so, like I said earlier, studying for the bar exam, that's real hard. So she was like 24-7 on it, on it, on it. She'd be at home studying, you know, put phone on silent, don't bother me. I'm studying, I'm going for it. You know, I'll get back to you eventually. So, you know, her family knew she did this. So they didn't, you know, think anything of it when she didn't respond to them or anything. Um, But then... Sadly, one day, days had, like, passed by, and they hadn't heard from her, and they didn't freak out originally, but, you know, eventually hearing nothing from her and her friends not hearing anything from her slowly started to definitely worry her family, and then, you know, her family just thinking maybe she's studying, but then her friends also trying to contact her family and asking what's been going on, where she is. It's just... It, it slowly started to build into, you know, maybe something is going on there. You know, she would never go this long without talking to anyone or not communicating with friends or family. That just wasn't Lauren. That wasn't how she functioned. That that wasn't how, you know, she communicated with people. She she was a lovely, outgoing person. So to not hear from her, especially her sisters, that was a extremely weird and out of the blue all right sorry about that but okay here we go yes lauren for exam hard-working student all right so yeah lauren just didn't disappear you know so what happened to her well um like i said her family started to get concerned and sort of friends and then once you know family thought she was okay thought maybe she was talking to her friends and then the friends start asking they were like ah we got we gotta go find out what's going on with lauren because this this isn't lauren this isn't what she does this isn't how she functions um so I remember reading one of the articles and said that her sister, Caitlin, had actually asked one of her friends to go over to Lauren's apartment and, you know, check and see if she was in there, see if she was at home or maybe if she was studying or maybe if there were, you know, any signs of her anywhere. But they said her roommate came inside and just found her ID, her purse, her wallet, her keys, the entire, the entire purse, basically, and, oh, no, like, someone's gonna run away, I don't understand leaving maybe the phone, but, like, you leave the wallet and the cars and, and the money, the shmoney and stuff, yeah, it ain't adding up, so, I mean, after that, you know, Caitlin, one of her sisters, actually called her dad and then officially, you know, told him, hey, something's not right. We think Lauren's missing. You know, no one's seen her. No one's talked to her. And, you know, her dad actually, because they were all, basically everyone except for Lauren was still in Maryland. So her dad actually drove 
all the way from Maryland down to Macon, Georgia. And then um, her mom actually was going to fly out the next day. But unfortunately, um, her, you know, the family received a call about there actually being a torso found um, in one of the trash cans near the apartment. So sadly, you know, her dad went down, you know, drove all the way to making a file of police report, missing person. And then, you know, by the time that they were with their mom dropping her off at the airport, they received the, you know, terrible news that there was a torso found and that it just so happened to be Lauren. Now, one of the really weird parts of the entire situation was how it was only the torso, like. There was no head, there was no, you know, no other limbs. It was, it was only her torso, you know, no other body parts actually found anywhere near what had just found the torso. So imagine that, you know, you get a car that let alone a body is found and then not just a body, but only part of the body, like either Satan's just playing, or whoever did this is ex- extremely maniacal, like, you know, already for wanting, you know, killing somebody, but also taking other body parts. It's just, it's a, that's a, a different kind of evil. I, 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 I don't know. But, but anyways, um, they found the torso, only the torso, and, you know, everyone was like, well, you know, what could have possibly happened to Lauren? Now, just to kind of do like little, you know, U-turn in the situation, um, the last time her family had actually seen Lauren alive was at her sister Caitlin's wedding. So Lauren had actually driven all the way up to Maryland for her sister's wedding. Her sister had gotten married, you know, wouldn't miss it for anything in the world. You know, they said she was, you know, happy and, you know, joyful and joyous and everything. But of course, you know, still thinking about the bar exam because like I said, sis was, she was bad about it. She's going to spend the money. Sis was going to get the degree and make sure she, she got her law degree. So um, after the wedding and everything, they said that, you know, Lauren said, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and go back home and continue to study for the exam. And they didn't think anything of it. Like I said earlier, they, they assumed that she was studying and, you know, not really going to talk to anyone on the phone or anything didn't think anything of it, but they did get some really good memories with her before they found out that she had passed away, which was really good. So they had that to go off, or go off of. Um, but um, they did say that Lauren did mention a, a, a good amount of times, like sometimes if she would leave her apartment that some of the things in there would be kind of like shuffled around or moved and everything. And to remind you, it was just her in there. It was, it was just her. Now she did have a boyfriend named David, but they didn't like live together or anything. It was 
only her. It was Lauren's apartment, but she would come home and like things would be like, you know, in places that they weren't before in her own apartment. So, I mean, she definitely mentioned it, but not like overly like, you know, she thought something was like terribly wrong or anything. Um, but, um, like they said, she, you know, she seemed very happy and, and lovely at the wedding and, you know, um, they love that they were able to get that, you know, last lovely memory with her, of course. But, you know, like I said, you know, she talked about, you know, her things being moved all over the place and, you know, not feeling so, so, so uncomfortable that she wouldn't go back home, but she knew something was extremely off. And that is when we leap into the the person with the most off type of aura, it seemed, in the entire story. Um, actually, her next door neighbor also went to Mercer Law, and his name was Stephen McDaniel. Now, I'm not trying to side with him or anything. I don't want to side with any of the killers. I just want to give y'all some background information because I know if I'm going to look up a true crime case, I want to know everything, like what they like to eat or how their childhood was, who they know, who they come from, just to give an idea, like what set this person off so much that they thought that this was a plausible idea you know, to murder somebody, and, 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 you know what I mean, like, can I, how do I put these sticks together in that type of situation, you feel me, that's what I'm trying to say, but Stephen McDaniel was born in 1989 to the parents of Mark and Glenda McDaniel, now, um, it said his parents were very hard-working people, trying to pay and, you know, support their family. So they weren't paying much attention, which is kind of why you probably got away with a lot of stuff that he did. But um, it, uh, from what I read, it said that they were very hardworking people just trying to support their kids and, you know, make sure that they got the best out of life, you know, got all that they could, you know, as they grew up. And obviously, if they were able to get him in the law school, and not just law school, this is Mercer. Mercer is, Macon is Mercer. Mercer is Macon at this point. 90% of this place is Mercer, and it's over 50 grand a year. So they they had to be doing well for him to just be out here doing what he be doing and stuff. You know, and that's the sad part because it's like they're trying to make sure their kids have a, a a good upbringing and they're out here doing this and don't deserve parents like that. But hey, whatever. He got what was coming to him eventually. But um, that's just a little bit of info on him. Now, um, a lot of the stories and articles I read did talk about him starting to like develop a crush on Lauren. And Lauren really didn't like that because, like I said, she had a boyfriend already and she just gave him, like, some real weird vibes.
Yeah, so extremely weird vibes. He his energy was just off. And she didn't like him like that. She was she was genuinely just a nice person, so she just dealt with him, trying to be nice to him. Cause they lived next to each other, they were classmates, so she didn't didn't want to be mean or anything. She's just like, you know, maybe he's just, you know, extra friendly, you know, that's fine. And then as feelings started to continue, uh Steven eventually got the nerve to ask Lauren if she wanted to go out on a date. And like I said earlier, she does have a boyfriend. Um, she did have a boyfriend. Um, so, you know, she just told him, you know, no, no, thank you. And like when, when she told him that, like, he, he snapped, he snapped. And after she told him no, Steven eventually went on to slowly start to, to creep more and more towards her. Um, there are a lot of videos on YouTube, if you want to research, of him. He would actually, at night, like, record her for hours and hours through her window, like, through the blinds and everything. And you can tell, you know, she could feel the energy, like, someone was watching her, but she wasn't, like, fully aware. I don't think she she knew the extent of, you know, what he was doing, you know, behind the scenes. Like, she felt, she she genuinely felt like she was being watched. And and he would do it all hours of the night. Like, he was full on just stalking the poor girl. And, you know, she she was just living her life, you know, just once again trying to get her degree, trying to graduate, you know, just, just trying to live her life. You know, like I said, she had plans, she had dreams, and she was, had her eye on the money, um, and then sadly, it, it just just everything had just kind of crashed down. It, it it was a mess. It was a mess. But um, alrighty, here we go. Sorry about that. All right, but now honestly, out of like all of the things I watched, I remember that her family stopped hearing from her around June twenty seventh. And then they started getting word around June 29th. Uh, but um, in that time frame, I know that around 4.30 a.m., Stephen had the genius idea, that, like I had told you. He had snapped. Didn't make whatever he did, you know, right or anything. But he snapped and he took it everything to a farther level so instead of just filming her he literally did start going into her apartment um and then actually one night around 4 30 in the morning he had snuck into her apartment and he was actually wearing all black and had on a face mask to cover his face like a coward of course but you, you know um, snuck into her apartment and actually snuck all the way in, actually into her bedroom. And can, him being the person he is, of course, I, I can't remember if he tripped over something or if he 
stepped on something. All I know is that he made his presence known. It was the wrong time to let his presence be known. Um, as Lauren was sleeping, she was awakened by some noise that he had made, and she had seen him, and he was like, you know, oh my Jesus, Louise, I don't know who you are, but you you need to you need to get out, get out of my house now. You know, like back it up, throw that in reverse, get get out of my apartment, and then of course. He had the genius idea of, you know, literally lunging at her on her bed. And then a struggle ensues because she's trying to, you know, she's fighting for her life. And then you have Steven literally attacking her and he weighs more than her and he's trying to overpower her. And then like the one thing that absolutely just like broke my heart to hear was how as they were rolling around, you know, scrapping and everything, she was able to rip his mask off and saw him. She was, she looked her killer in the face. Like she, she saw it with Steven and she was just like, you know, please get out. Like, please stop. What are you doing? And then Steven sat there and sadly choked and strangled her for 15 minutes until Sadly, she passed away. Um, now, it's said that after he did that, he actually went back to his apartment, you know, the next day and was on the computer all all day. And I assume all night researching what? I don't know. Doing what? I don't know. Honestly, don't care. Like, I care, but it's also like... So he, he he murdered this poor girl. He took her life, took away her future and everything, and then he just goes to the crib and is just like on a computer. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, whatever you say, sis. But yeah, he, he went home, was on a computer all day, and then eventually came and returned back to her apartment, dragged her body into the bathroom, and then had a hacksaw actually and then started to actually dismember her and slowly start to put her body parts in different places now here 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 here's here's the kicker right here honestly considering all the true crime things that i have seen the way that he got like, conducted this he he might have been able to get away with murder like literally, because I mean, if they maybe if they had you know done more forensic testing, maybe not. But you know, by the way, I've seen them talk about this whole case and like the details and everything. It's like he could have gotten away with murder because I hacked her up, and he had put her body parts in different sections, in different areas. You know, he was hiding them in different areas. And, I mean, you know, not not a great idea to put everything in one area. So, I mean, he he was, you know, on another level that-wise, but he caught himself. He, he, He literally set himself up because 
you know, he put actually, they said they put the rest of the body parts actually in the Mercer Law dumpster. But then, remember earlier when I was talking about how they found the torso and like the apartment trash? Literally, because it is making the trash, it it doesn't, it, it, it never gets picked up on time especially now but he put the torso inside of the trash bin because he knew that normally on Wednesdays they would come and pick it up but luckily like by the by literally just a small gleam of luck that the cops got there literally only a couple of minutes before the trash was you know gonna get picked up which was like a, hmm, 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 you know, I'm glad they found it and everything, but it was like, you know, he seemed to be like real smug and not worried about getting caught. I guess he just assumed that maybe he wasn't like suspicious enough, maybe. I don't know, but the, put his foot in his mouth and it gets even better from here. So, now, you can find the recordings on YouTube. You can even see the little broadcasts um, because he was actually interviewed by a local news station. Um, they were asking around about, you know, you know, you know, who is Lauren? You know, she's an amazing person. You know, where is she? What do you think she is? You know, Stephen's just up there being interviewed in front of the camera like, oh, my God, well, yeah, she's such an amazing person. Great heart and soul. And then the reporter, and I feel like the reporter caught up on this too. Like, she like, she, she, she crossed him. She broke them ankles because, I, I mean, the way she was talking, you know, it's just like, oh, well, you know, yeah, you know, you know, you know, what type of person is she? And then sis went, oh, she goes, so what do you think, you know, about the, the body they, you know, recovered, and you can tell on his face, this man can't, cannot hide his absolute terror, like, during the whole thing, he's just so calm and collected, and then when she said, you know, talk, start talking about the body found, you could just see his face drain, like, just went absolute pale, he was like, body and then she's like yeah the the body that was found like you know what are you what are you thinking and then he was just like oh I I, I gotta I gotta gotta sit down and you just see him slowly trek over and just like sit (laughs) sit down on the sidewalk like ooh geez ooh wee uh oh they coming for me or or maybe not maybe not maybe they aren't I don't know but he put all that emotion on just in front um you can you could feel that energy that he was like what they found her um but then yeah there was that and then I think I think they kind of after seeing that interview the cops and everything were like yeah, homie has something to do with this. 
there's no way he he's been innocent in this whole thing. Like just the reaction alone reads guilty for something. I mean, like he could have been, you know, feeling guilty about killing. Maybe he could have been guilty. Maybe he left his dryer machine on. I don't know, but you know, uh, he looked mad guilty, and they were like, "Yeah, we're gonna have to, we gotta take him in." So they did. Um, you can also find the interrogation video, um, on YouTube too. Like literally, he still has this like this like shaking in his boots type of energy. Like he's pretty quiet, but you can just feel like the worry and nervousness. Like you can tell he's like, oh man, what what's gonna happen to me? What's what's gonna happen to me? What's gonna happen with me? Like he he seems like he has no remorse for what he did. You can even tell in the beginning of those interviews. I mean, he had no problem sitting up there, but then after he you, know, you can tell he was about to get got that that whole he whole I mean that whole demeanor that what it flipped. So. Um, yeah, you can find the interrogation videos on YouTube and everything. Um, but I mean, it's actually really interesting. A lot of the the articles, and especially some of the other people that have made videos on it, um, pretty interesting. But you know, eventually, luckily, he was caught. Um, he not too long ago, actually, a, a couple years had gone by and for for some ungodly reason he tried to like have his sentence like appeal was if he didn't like if he didn't do anything but I, I I mean I don't I don't I don't know what he thought we, I don't know what he thought he was gonna like accomplish but literally um not too too long what was i think it was like what 2014 2018 maybe 2014 2018 then he might have tried to get his sentence Yes. So actually, he was sentenced to life imprisonment in 2014, and McDaniel had a chance to get paroled in 30 years. Oh no, he's probably gonna try. If they let him out, I, I, I mean, yeah, hopefully he doesn't get let out. But you know. Um, and then in 2018, it says he appealed his conviction and claimed that the police force had violated his rights when they investigated him. They they violated his rights. Let's remember. And I also found this. He, this man had, like, personal photos of hers. Like, homie was stealing, like, articles of her clothing, secret cameras all over the place. I mean... And he's saying that the police were were crossing boundaries. Like, uh, how dare the criminal say that? That's funny. 
I say, look, that's a funny one. Tell me another one. That was a, a funny joke. But um, anyway, you know, luckily his um appeal was uh later denied. Luckily, um, and he also claimed that the search of his apartment was done improperly. I mean, he's just saying that because he was guilty and all the stuff they found on his computer, um, you know, per, her personal pictures and then a lot of violent, a lot of violent, like, no-no videos and, and you secret footage of her and, and they handled it improperly. I say, nah, sis, you just... <laughs> you just you were just easy to find out if that's all that is hey whatever but um luckily um as of 2021 he is currently incarcerated at the hancock state prison in georgia so not to worry about him for 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 a long time a long time hopefully he never gets out because he doesn't deserve it look he, I mean, he can say, hey, let me out on parole. Lauren can't come back to life. Her family can't bring her back and talk to her whenever they want to. I mean, if he wanted, he can, he, he has parents out there. You know, his parents know where he is. Lauren's parents knows where she is. They can't, they can't talk to you. They can't see her. They can't hug her. I mean, Look, look, if you're going to take someone else's, you know, everything away, don't get upset when somebody else is going to give you that same energy. Uh, I'm just saying, how dare you sit up here and, you know, take someone's life and future away and then beg and use every excuse in the book just to make people feel bad for you? For hurting someone else? Once again, that's funny. Tell me another joke, because that's exactly what that is. That that's extremely goofy. So you know, glad he glad it his you know he was rejected, and hopefully he'll uh, be there for the rest of his life. And um, yeah, I, I honestly, since poor Lauren can't come back, um, you know, I hope he gets the same energy in that cell that he deserves to be in. So, yeah, yeah, but um that was the story. Well, that was yeah, that was the story of the murder of Lauren Giddings. Um I hope you enjoyed. I'm so 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 sorry that it was so all over the place. I really do apologize. I promise that the next one is going to knock your socks off like we're gonna go in order and we're gonna we're gonna have our our jokes already like sewn into it and everything because you know just to get some get through some of this stuff you know it's not funny at all but just to keep from crying sometimes just even if it's just laughing if you can just anything to keep from crying or getting upset because this is this is was a very sad tale you know, just a poor girl minding her business, living her life, you know, being as, as sweet as pie. And then just to have some some dude come up and then take all that away from her and her family and, you know, all the nieces and nephews that she was never able to meet personally. 
yeah, but yes, but um, once again, I, I do appreciate you all for being here and um, sticking in with me. Um, um, once again, I'm gonna apologize for for the quality and and for everything being so thrown about. I promise the next one will be better and it'll be like twist and turns. What? Who did this? They did this. Or do we think they did this? Like we're going to, we're going to throw all those monkey wrenches in there. But um, thank you so much. Um, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and week. And I cannot wait to see you on uh, Thursday. All right. See you later.